Follow us, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. Combo Nation won't stop, can't stop. We're really here, man. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 299. You heard that right. Episode 299 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Today is part two of my conversation with Matt Peck, co-host of the Locked On Bulls podcast. This part of the conversation is focused on 90s Bulls basketball. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Matt on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. That's B-U-L-L-S underscore P-E-C-K. You could find me on Twitter. That's right. Giving out the Twitter handle today at Combos Court. C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. If you listen to Combo's Court of the Past, you know where to find me on Instagram. That's 1-2-Combo, O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Bulls podcast. Can't wait for you all to hear this episode. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Okay, so let's get to some vintage Bulls basketball. Unless you want to put some it. of the, unless you want to put some of the current guys on this team, who would be your all-time starting five? There's definitely a few no-brainers on this team. Ooh, all right. So I mean, I, I I will I will say I know Derek, I know you're not thinking about the two and the three here. So it got to be maybe the center. Right. Or, I'm, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking about the one right now the one we got to know the one don't we got to know the one i know the one is is your one derrick rose yeah my one's derrick rose yeah yeah okay my <laughs> mine is two mine okay. is two i mean i like you know th- there there may be a name somewhere out there that i would flirt with for a half a second before i remind myself matt you idiot he was the youngest mvp in league history yeah you know, it's it's a sh- it's a shame that we never saw the trajectory of Derek's career that we should have and that he deserves to have and all the credit in the world to him for this remarkable comeback. Do you see that big contract? He just signed to go back to the Knicks this, this summer. I mean, kudos yeah. to him, man. People thought he was done. People thought he was done. So, but yes, if we're talking about like all time starting five and these players are in their prime, give me prime Derek Rose and MJ in the backcourt. Give me Scotty at the three. No brainer. Ugh. And see, this is where it gets tricky okay. because it, it's hard to decide. Do I go with Horace or do I go with Dennis? My my gut is I want to just say Horace at the four and Dennis is a small ball five. We're, mm. in, we're in the 2020s of the NBA. They didn't do that kind of stuff back when those guys were playing. But to me, that's a pretty lethal starting five uh, in today's NBA. Give it, well, okay, Horace Grant's not shooting threes, and neither is Derrick Rose. And, you know, Dennis, Dennis would occasionally take a three and make it, but whatever. As far as just the starting five of my life of Bulls fandom, I think that's what I, what I want to rock with. It is hard to leave off 
Artis Gilmore. I could make an argument for throwing Gilmore at the center spot. And then probably my second favorite bull of all time. And maybe he does nudge out Dennis or Horace, Joakim Noah. I mean, I love Joakim Noah to the ends of the earth and back. I loved him as much, if not more, as I loved Derrick Rose in those, you know, 2010 era Bulls. Loved him, loved him, loved him. And it wasn't just my adoration for the player as a fan uh, and, and what he did on and off the floor with, as far as like the, the spirit of Bulls fandom and, and the pride that he, you know, showed on a nightly basis. But the dude was a defensive player of the year. He was yeah. a two-time All-Star. He had that one season where he was DPOY, where he finished fourth in MVP voting. Prime Joakim Noah, especially when he took on a larger role when Derek was rehabbing from those you know back-to-back knee injuries. Prime Joakim was a force to be reckoned with, man, and I loved watching that dude play. So, yeah. so I, I I know I gave you six there. Well, six and a half. Okay, so you know the <laughs> hard the the hardest grand Dennis Rodman thing is interesting. Let's say we have to pick one four. Um, Horace was better on the offensive side of the basketball, but I think Dennis' impact was too great to pass on Dennis. I would probably have to go with Dennis, but I think Horace was underrated, and he showed how underrated he was when he was with the Magic. Yeah, and, and not only with the Magic, but when MJ left in the 93-94 yes. season and Scotty became Robin, uh, became Batman, Horace became Robin, and Horace was an all-star, a legit all-star yeah. when MJ True. went to play baseball. So, I mean, Dennis was at the back end of his prime and maybe even past his prime when he won those three titles with the Bulls. You can make an argument that at his age versus Horace in his prime for that first repeat, Horace, he wasn't a defensive player of the year, but Horace's defense was darn good, man. And he, as you said, gave you a little bit more on the offensive end when yeah. it was necessary compared to Dennis, who was just like, I'm, I'm going to grab 21 rebounds and take zero shots. And it was like, I mean, talk about a player who embraced his role on the team. So, you know, like, I, I think we're saying the same thing. It's kind of a toss up between Horace and Dennis. And if, if you want to pick one over the other, you know, I, I, I don't think it's so obviously one over the other that it could be some a, a disagreement among Bulls fans that, that you should get mad at each other. I just yeah. I, I loved Dennis, the character, uh, in addition to Dennis, the player. So, you know, and, and like I know Horace Grant. Horace Grant is a great dude. I have really enjoyed getting to know the the person behind the player that I watched when I was just a little kid. Horace is awesome, man. But he, I mean, he's there is only one Dennis Rodman on this planet. And man. Yeah, I'm sure you don't underrate these guys, but Tony Kukoc and Ron Harper have to be on the bench for this all-time team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I all I always, always when people are having the conversations of most underrated bulls of all time, Ron Harper is one of the first names out of my mouth. Yeah. Because yeah. look, I mean, was he similar to Dennis kind of like on the back end of his useful yes. uh, like NBA seasons when he was with that second three feet? Absolutely. But you go back and look at his numbers, like obviously he wasn't a great offensive threat, but like John Paxson and a couple others, he learned how to operate as the, you know, point guard playing next to Michael Jordan in the backcourt, back which is no easy feat. But what he, he did on the defensive end every night and the man's consistency you go back and look at those 96 97 98 seasons i think ron harper played something i i did the math once and it was like 296 out of a possible 304 games 
play yeah. regular se- regular season and playoffs. The man was made of iron, and he always was just an unsung hero on a nightly basis. And of, I mean, of course, you got to give love to the Croatian sensation. I love Tony. Love Tony. Um, you know, I I think a lot of people were saying when he got his nod to the Hall of Fame just you know earlier this year, people were like, "Really, is Tony Kukoc a Hall of Famer?" I mean. He, he is also like one of the most famous and successful international basketball players of all time. And he paved the way for a lot of these Euro guys who are now taking over the NBA. Tony was one of the first ones and he proved yeah. that he belonged. He proved that he belonged in the NBA because the bulls don't win those second three titles without Tony Kukoc. That's just a fact. They don't win those titles without him. Yeah. And his game translates to the modern NBA, just a big oh. guard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Sort of like that that lethal point forward who can shoot and put the ball on the floor. And lefty, yeah. so he's tough. It's it's tough to guard lefties. Yeah, okay, absolutely. I'll hit, I'll hit you with this one. Better team, first repeat or second repeat? Man, so collectively, I think the first repeat had more talent. Okay. The first chip of the second repeat, obviously – you can make the argument was the best of all the teams as for like, you know, they went 72 and 10 and pretty much breezed their way through the playoffs. They kind of like phoned it in twice against the Sonics in the finals, but like they probably should have swept Seattle if we're being honest. And 72 and 10 was historic and stood until just a few years ago when Golden State went 73 and nine. The one team that I would say might have been just as lethal as that 95, 96 team despite not having a historic record, I think you can make a case for the 1992 Bulls being the best of any of the six championship teams. Shrug. It's the shrug. The shrug I game. mean, <laughs> you have the shrug moment with MJ being, you know, uh, like it's, it's MJ and Clyde Drexler, like two players on the same plane. And of course, in the they, last they were, time, they MJ were, was like, they, they were no. on the same plane, but he's, Clyde was great. Not. Clyde was great. Right. And, yeah. And just like, oh, everybody's talking about how he's a better three-point shooter than me. Okay, cool. Watch this. <laughs> so, but I mean, I think all of the role players, by the time they hit to 91-92, were so confident in their roles that like 91-92 Scotty was prime Scotty. 91-92 yeah. Horace was prime Horace. Yeah. BJ Armstrong was like an unstoppable little, you know, Tasmanian devil in the 91-92 season. Like, all of the guys embraced and knew their roles and had that like triangle offense with the rogue MJ humming in that 92 season. They were unstoppable on the offensive end and their defense was still elite. So overall, I'd say the 91 through 93 uh, three-peat, better basketball team. 96 through 98, more entertaining. Better MJ, first three-peat or second three-peat? Man, you know what? I'm going to say second. I'm going to say second. Obviously, MJ relied a lot on his athleticism. I think the, the peak, I think the peak, I think the peak of the first three Pete might have been the greatest MJ because of that athleticism you're talking about. Right. I mean, 93 post you know, Barcelona Olympics MJ was yes. unstoppable. Yo, in, unstoppable. This, in the Sun Series, ridiculous. Right. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you, know, when you had some of that. That media stuff coming out and it was like, oh, he went down to Atlantic City and gambled with his father all night, came back to the hotel at two in the morning during that Knicks series. And, you know, he, he was just like, all right, you know what, media, 
just I'm ignoring you for a while and I'm going to show all of you that what you should do is shut up, watch me dominate and respect me and maybe leave me the hell alone for a minute. That 93 playoff run, Jordan was otherworldly. But what I respect about his second three-peat and what I think is just as impressive is that he left the game, played baseball for a season and a half, came back, had to rebuild his body into a basketball body as he's aging. And that dude played every single night. And he showed up and put on a performance every single night. And especially, look, 96 and 97, that those Bulls squads were, were pretty solid. They were pretty stacked. That final chip in 98, dude, that team was falling apart. MJ carried Scott, yeah, them. Scotty's back was falling apart, too. Scotty's yeah. back was busted. Dennis was either, like, hurt, suspended, or checked out mentally. And, you know, like, Luke Longley's body was breaking down. Ron Harper was getting old. They weren't getting much production from the bench on a nightly basis. Go back and look at MJ's numbers in that 98 playoff run, man. He carried that team. And the fact that he did it at that age, after all of those years of consecutive deep runs all the way to the finals, that, I mean, to me, that might be the most impressive thing about the entirety of those two back-to-back dynasties. Do the Bulls win eight in a row if Jordan never retires and goes to baseball? No. No, absolutely not. You know why I think they don't? Because people who were there and people who played on those teams – have been asked that question and say, no, it's so hard. Um, Steve Kerr has talked about it with his playing days with the Bulls and also with this, you know, being the head coach of this Warriors team that has had like a kind of dynasty. You know, they've gone to the finals all these years. They've won three chips. And he said, it just takes such a, a physical and mental toll that when you're trying to just gear up for that three-peat and, you know, you get there – what would you have left in the tank? So, look, you can talk about matchups and, oh, the, the Rockets had the Bulls number when they played in the regular season or whatever. And if it was Bulls-Rockets, like, how would that series go? I just think that when you're talking about going eight years in a row to the finals and winning all eight of those years, like, credit to LeBron, who just did that in the Eastern Conference, but he bounced around teams and his teammates were different throughout the entire stretch of LeBron from 2011 to 2018 going to the finals eight years in a row. But that's one individual at the height of his game as the best player in the league. That's not an entire team. I'm like, yeah, you would shuffle some of the other pieces around the core of MJ and Scotty as they did. The second 3P team, other than MJ and Scotty, was completely different from the first 3P team. And again, not a popular take, but you got to give credit to Jerry Krause for making that happen. He built two different three-peat teams around MJ and Scotty. They did most of the work on the floor, obviously. But, no, I, I think the people that think if MJ doesn't play baseball, the Bulls win eight in a row are, are fooling themselves because it is hard to win a championship. Winning back-to-back is damn near impossible. Three-peats, that's why that Bulls uh, you know, dynasty is so iconic and so talked about. It is professional sports lore. Because three-peating is damn near impossible. And they did it twice in the span of eight years. There's no way they were winning eight years in a row. They're like That, in fact, is impossible. I don't think we'll ever see that after, you know, the the Celtics of the, the, the days of, right. you know, credit to them for doing that. But no, a- after yeah. that 
old, old Celtics dynasty, I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that ever again. And the fact that the Bulls did six and eight years in itself is absolutely crazy. Definitely. Shouts to those Celtics. Shouts to the 90s Bulls. Uh, the last death, mm. do, you th- do you feel that helps free agency in the future? Because these younger players know about the 90s Bulls now. They know about them, right? Yeah, I mean, it is crazy to think about the fact that some of these kids were not even around. Like, not a lot. They were just a, t- a twinkle in their daddy's eye when right, MJ right. was winning those championships. Because these days, and it's funny, when you, like, hear players who are at the draft combine or at draft line, you're asking these young players, these one-and-done players, you know, who, who did you admire and who did, who did you model your game after growing up? And it's like, LeBron or, or, you know, Kobe, some of them will say that some of them was like, Oh, like Kevin Durant or, you know, or, 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 you know, even kids these days say, Trey Oh yeah. Trey Luka. Luka. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh my, what, what are you, what are you toddlers? <laughs> A lot of them don't even know. And that's why, uh, who was it? Was it Kate Cunningham or one of these draftees from earlier this summer, like weighed in on like the goat debate between MJ and LeBron. And he was like, well, LeBron's my goat. He was like, I've watched some MJ videos on YouTube, but LeBron's my go. And I'm like, why does anyone care about a 19-year-old's opinion of who is better between Michael Jordan and LeBron James? Well, he was, well, he was the number one, he, one of them play. He was the number one pick in the draft. I mean, you could watch him play and tell his game is more LeBron influenced than MJ influenced. Not saying he's LeBron, but just the style, right. his style of play, yeah. Right. But, so, I mean, look, that that is a unending debate and conversation because people find it entertaining and it generates clicks and content. But as far as that last last dance doc, I I don't know if it will make Chicago a more enticing place for players to play. Um, Maybe some of them out there will, will think to themselves, it would be cool to win a title for the first time since MJ walked away from the NBA in that big market, that crazy city. But I think, you know, more so than a documentary, what, what, uh, is a certainly positive sign is that guys are coming here and, and the guys that they got to come here this summer. I don't think they came here for a doc. I think they came here because they think Zach Levine is really good. And yeah. Billy Donovan is a respected and well-liked coach among NBA players. And they see that there was an organizational shift and that, Hey, our tourists did some pretty solid stuff in Denver and Mark Eversley has got a pretty darn impressive resume himself. And the guys that everybody was whispering about, don't trust the Bulls. Psst, psst, psst. These front office guys, they don't treat you well. They, you know, they're, they're backstabbing, they're spying on us. Those guys are gone. Those are the reasons guys are coming here. So, look, the doc was cool because it reminded some people and then taught even younger generations who knew nothing of it just how iconic and insane that dynasty was. Um, but that's all it is. You know, that's all. It was a great walk down memory lane. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think I watched it three or four times over. It, it's wow. amazing. Yeah. As, as, yeah. As, a, as a kid who grew as a kid who grew up, you know, on the outskirts of Chicago in the 90s, like the Bulls were my life. So watching that doc was like being transported back to my childhood. And I loved it. Um, what was it somewhat like MJ just re, re putting his foot down to say, hey, let's all shut up about the goat debate. I'm still Michael <laughs> Jordan. I'm the greatest to have ever done it or ever will do it. Yeah, I think there was some self-serving MJ angles in that doc, clearly so. But, you know, it was still entertaining. And I hope that some of these younger NBA players who knew nothing or next to nothing about that dynasty and just that entire age of the NBA 
learn something because you didn't just get the bulls from that documentary. You got the story of the bad boy Pistons and the Lakers and the Celtics and the Knicks and Reggie's Pacers. Like you got it all in that doc. And it was great to revisit that era of the NBA because that's the era of the NBA that I fell in love with. How often do you revisit Michael Jordan's playground and learning to fly? I swear to God, man. I mean, every single time I hear the song Learning to Fly, I like I get goosebumps and my eyes well up with tears because I can't not think of the Bulls winning championships, empty flying through the air, you know, championship parade, rally at Grand Park. Um, like I, I do a lot of revisiting the old days. Okay. Um, and, and what what I usually do is spend especially in these past several years when the Bulls haven't been in the playoffs, they've been sitting at home already with all of the different social media that's out there, you know, uh, Twitter and NBA on Instagram and all these people tweeting out like anniversaries of stuff. So like an epic MJ playoff game performance or the night that Scotty dunked on Ewing and told, you know, Spike Lee to sit down. Like when, when you are in that um, like April to June window, and the Bulls have been sitting at home in the playoffs. I, I go back and just enjoy all of the anniversaries of that epic 91 to 98 run. And, and even some of the stuff before that, you know, like the late 80s Bulls that didn't win championships but had iconic playoff moments. Like, you know, MJ shot against Cleveland over Craig Elo and some of the other stuff like that. And brawls against the Pistons. That's yeah. usually when I do my my revisiting uh, is, is playoff time, especially because I've had the time recently because the Bulls are sitting at home. So. Most definitely. Matt, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? So you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Uh, you can follow our podcast, Locked on Bulls, at Locked on Bulls. We're available on pretty much every and all podcast streaming service, uh, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, slash iTunes, Odyssey. Uh, and we also recently launched a YouTube channel that we've been doing for a couple of months now. So now all of our episodes, you can also see us on camera uh, doing YouTube episodes uh, five days a week. So follow us uh, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Same thing. Just search Locked on Bulls on YouTube and you'll find us there. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Absolutely, Andrew. Thank you so much for the invitation, man. Uh, I had a wonderful time. Happy to come on anytime. And, uh, you know, we should we should get you on Locked On Bulls sometime. Oh, anytime. Just let me know. Really appreciate you, Matt. All right, man. Have a good one. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. And big shouts to Matt for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 300. Combo out.